I want to talk to you today about, you know, last Sunday I talked to you about what our motto is. I said, uh, uh, I'm so excited to be the pastor here now. I just am thrilled that uh, the church has asked me to come and serve in this capacity. And so in preparation for the direction that we're going to go, a couple of things I wanted to lay out right up front. One was uh, kind of a, a just a short slogan, a little motto to kind of define who we are. And uh, I'm sure you remember what I said. I've said it every week for the last several weeks. But I said, we are a family of Jesus followers. That's who we are. That's, uh, that kind of defines, for me, who we are, the family idea. And, in fact, it was uh, on the Sunday. I think it might have even been Father's Day. I can't remember. No, it was before that, that uh, we had a wonderful service here in which I just felt the family-ness of our church and that was the Sunday that the Lord said to my heart if they'll still have you uh, I want you to go ahead and accept to be the pastor there so I love the idea of a family but not just a family but a family of Jesus followers because that's who we are and that's what I preached on last Sunday what it means to follow Jesus to follow Jesus but uh I think a church also needs some kind of uh, mission statement or statement of, uh, of what we're about. What is it we're trying? Why do we exist as a church? And here is, uh, here, here is what it means to me. And I don't know, we haven't adopted this as a church exactly, but I, I think that uh, I would put it this way. And I told two or three people this last week, uh, we exist at Bear Creek Baptist Church to make disciples and to equip disciple-makers so that the focus of our ministry is not just to come together and just to be together and not just to worship, but it is actually geared along the line of doing what Jesus told us to do, to make disciples. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of making disciples. What, what is a church all about anyway? What is the purpose, the function of a church? And I wanted to kind of put this in a way today that even the, the youngest child here would be able to understand, that all of the children, everybody, kind of get a mental picture of what the purpose is of the church. So, Hannah, after church, I'll ask you, you know, now what did I say the four, five purposes of a church are? And you'll just be able to tell me just like that, right? Okay. And here's a good way to remember it. Here's good. It's four ships and an ism. Four ships and an ism. That's the purposes of a church. And Paul is trying to figure out what I'm talking about. He's a four ships and an ism. I can see as the wheels turning there. And here, here are the four ships. The first one is worship. Worship. That's really what we're about. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 28, this is the last few verses, it says, And when they saw Jesus... They worshipped him. And that's really what God has called us to be, is a worshipping people. What does it mean to worship? It means to see the value of, to extol, to exalt, to, uh, to magnify, to glorify. And that's who we are. That's what we're about. That's the first ship that every church should be, uh, should be focused on. And when we come together and we sing together, you know, 
it's possible to just come and sing songs. But if we are singing from a heart of worship, it really makes a huge difference in the way we sing those songs. When we say to, to God, I love you. Thank you. You are so great. You are higher than I can even imagine. And the, the more we see him, gaze upon him, and delight in him, that is what worship is all about. And so, uh, not just corporate worship, but even personal worship throughout the week. And I, I would hope that you don't limit your worshiping <laughs> to what we do here on Sunday morning. And I, by the way, I don't think you do. Because people who don't worship during the week usually worship very poorly when they gather together. But people who are worshiping day by day throughout the week, when they come together, it's just easy for them to, to exult in God and to lift Him up highly. And so worship, that's the first ship. So remember that one? Got that one down? And a ship is worship. The second ship is fellowship. And by the way, we do a great job with fellowship around here, don't we? And sometimes we fellowship here in the foyer and here when the service is over. I see people just standing and talking and enjoying each other. I love it when we fellowship back in the fellowship hall because we have uh, food usually there, and that's uh, fun. By the way, today is National Ice Cream Day. Did you know that? And yeah, today is National Ice Cream Day. I thought every day was, but actually today is uh, is the uh, official National uh, Ice Cream Day. And by the way, the new Bluebell flavor, have you tried that yet? Uh, it's pretty good. Now, I thought the third tub of it was not quite as good as the first two, but, uh, but that first uh, tub of it was really, really good. So I love it when we fellowship and, and we eat together. And by the way, that's, a, that's biblical as uh, the, the Christians, and, and Old Testament believers and New Testament believers, we find them often breaking bread together, eating together, enjoying uh, the fellowship of the saints, and giving the, to one another the right hand of fellowship, the Bible says. And it is, uh, that's the second of the ship. So there's worship. There is fellowship, and we do that well here. And then the third one, uh, and I'm going to uh, kind of reverse the order, but the third one is stewardship. Stewardship. A steward was somebody in biblical days that was given some responsibility. He would be a master, would give to him a certain amount of money or a certain task to do, uh, and he would say, now, now, I'm trusting you to use this wisely and effectively, and then I'll come back and I'll check up on you. And so God has done that with us. He has given all of us certain, uh, some, some of it's physical, some of it is spiritual, some of it material, and God has given us a certain amount of health, a certain number of years to live, He's given us a certain amount of money to deal with. He's given us a certain amount of strength and personality. He's given us a certain sphere of influence around us. All of those things 
he has entrusted to us. Now, he owns everything, but he chooses to give to each person, according to his own choice, certain amounts of, uh, of, of things to be a steward over. So you have a certain amount of money that you deal with on an annual basis or even a weekly basis. You have a lot of other things. And so God says, now I am trusting you. I'm entrusting you with this. And I am trusting you to use it in a way that will honor me and help other people. And by doing that, the Bible says we actually are storing up for ourselves a certain amount of heavenly treasures. And so a lot of times people think, well, it doesn't really matter that much how th this idea of stewardship, but it matters immensely because actually, I'll preach a whole sermon on this someday, but the way you use what God gives you right now has a determining factor on how much more he will give to you in the future. And so the Bible says a man who is faithful with small things, God will then increase and give him more to be faithful with and to be steward over. So there is worship, fellowship, stewardship, and then discipleship, discipleship. And we'll come back and talk about that one. Uh, let me go ahead and give you the ism. Can you guess what the ism is? It is evangelism, evangelism. It's a shame that that didn't end with the ship, but evangelship didn't sound right to me. But uh, we could have had five ships, but four ships and an ism, worship, fellowship, discipleship, stewardship, and evangelism. Evangelism is not making people become Christians. That's not what we do. Evangelism, it comes from the word evangel, which means good news. Uh, one who shares good news. So we go out and we just tell people great, wonderful news. We tell them that God loves them that Jesus actually died on a cross and rose again from the grave to demonstrate that love, but also to pay for the penalty of their sin. And that he now offers to them and invites them into a personal relationship with him, and it is free for them to receive. That's just good news. And... Uh, I know there are a lot of people who have a negative attitude toward the church, negative attitude toward Christians, because they feel like we want something from them. I go out and visit people, and sometimes, even, even last, last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, when we were doing the laundry for the people over here, I had one person said to me, well, now, what's the gimmick? And I thought, now, that's pretty typical. And I said, you know, I'm glad you asked that. But I said, there is no gimmick at all. I said, we are doing this without any expectation of anything. We just want to show people that we love them. And, uh, and he, was, he said, well, I just wondered. You know, I thought maybe there was a, 
a trick. And, uh, and, but a lot of people have the idea that that's what churches want, is they want your money. They want, they want to use you to build up their organization. And I just detest that kind of thinking. The thing about it, see, we are not getters. We're givers. That's who we are. We are people who are committed to following Jesus. And Jesus did not go to take. He went to give and to serve and to love other people. So evangelism is the joyful sharing of good news. We go out and just tell people good news, and then we don't make them become a Christian. We just tell them the truth. And then we invite them to receive a gift, the gift of eternal life, total forgiveness of all their sins, and the entrance into the fellowship of believers. So that's evangelism. So got the four ships and the evangelism. The four ships and the ism. Okay, worship is what we do Godward. And then fellowship is what we do inward with one another. And then stewardship, what we do outwardly with all the stuff and things that God gives us. And and then discipleship discipleship and that is training other people in love and instruction to obey and to follow Jesus now I want to read a passage to you this is my text for today and I know somebody would say well don't you usually do the text first and then preach the sermon yeah but today preach the sermon first then I'll do the text okay this is in Matthew chapter 28. I referred to it a minute ago. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's all nationalities, all people groups everywhere. So there's no limitation, there's no distinction. We're to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that a marvelous, marvelous promise there at the end? To know that when we go out to make disciples, we do not do it in our own strength and all alone, but Jesus is with us always, all the way to the end. So what is this thing of discipleship? The word disciple comes from a Greek word that basically means a learner, a learner. Someone who is, is uh, learning. And sometimes we get the idea then that that means that church ought to be mainly classroom oriented. Now, that's not the kind of learning that he's talking about here. It may involve that. It does involve that. We do teach information and facts about 
Jesus. But to be a disciple of Jesus is not mainly to learn about him. It is to learn him. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, All ye that labor and are heavy laden, come and, and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn. And actually it just means learn me. Learn me. Get to, to know me. And so part of it is helping people know more about Jesus. There was a song we used to sing back when I was in high school. Yes, they had music back then. Uh, and it was called, To Know, Know, Know Him is to Love, Love, Love Him. Any of you ever hear that song? Okay. A few of you did. All right. Uh, and, uh, of course, it was a girlfriend singing about her boyfriend probably. But, but as I heard that song, I kind of related. That's the way it is with Jesus. The more I know him, the more I love him. I will never learn anything about Jesus that will disappoint me in him. Now, if that girl was singing that about her boyfriend, I could guarantee you that in time, she might even change or add a verse to that song. That the more I know him, the less I love him. Because so many couples get married today, and after they get to know each other a little bit better, they, uh, their sense of affection diminishes. I have so many girls, especially, who say to me, I don't know what happened to my, my, my guy. You know, he was so sweet and kind, and when we got married, he changed. And I say, no, he didn't really change. It's just that before, he was just pretending to be nice and sweet and kind, once he married you, he felt like he didn't have to be that way anymore, and the real him came out. But here's the thing about it. The more you know Jesus, the more you're going to love him. And you won't ever, ever, ever learn something about him that will cause you to come away and say, well, I think less of him now. In fact, you can spend an entire lifetime I have spent 55 years now in learning about Jesus and learning Jesus, drawing near to him, trying to see the, the majesty of his character, the greatness of his love, the glory of his person, those kinds of things. And uh, I love to read the old Puritan writers. They had a better a better grasp on the greatness and glory of Jesus than most modern preachers do today. And I love to read their writings because they help me see glories about Christ that I might not have seen on my own. And everything I learn about him causes me to love him more and more. So discipleship is learning about Jesus, but then Jesus said here, it is also learning to obey. Learning to obey. There is nothing, or sometimes I've said, and I know uh, it's possible to get the cart before the horse here, but uh, it is, uh, some people say, well, I, I just don't think as, as Christians we need to be focused on obedience. But let me tell you something obedience 
is not a bad thing. It's not even a legalistic thing. Obedience is for our sake. It's good for us. When we would tell our children certain things, it wasn't to uh, take away pleasure from them when we'd give them some restrictions. It was to protect them and to make sure they got the greatest benefit out of life. And so the commands that Jesus gives to us are not uh, punishments. They're not withholding something good from us. They are saying, here is the way to have the most joy in life. So discipleship, discipleship is helping people learn about Jesus, but also learn Jesus and delight in obeying him. So that's, that's really who we are. That's, that's, the, that's what I, as the pastor, will try to emphasize in every direction that we go, in everything that we do, to be a people, a family of Jesus followers who are making disciples and equipping other people to help make disciples. So making disciples and equipping disciple makers. And as we do that, we fellowship with one another and enjoy the blessing, the worship, and the stewardship of God. So the four ships... What are they? Worship, fellowship, stewardship, and discipleship, and then the ism, uh, evangelism. I tried my best, Mike. I tried to think of another ship that would go with that. I, I know you were trying to think of one, too. I could see you working on it, but uh, I couldn't think of a, another ship. So four ships and an ism. Well... That's who God wants, that's what God wants us to be about. And I delight in uh, being about that in my own life and also us delighting in working on those things together as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the message you've given to us to be able to share. It is good news. It is, a, it is the most joyful message that anyone could hear and receive. And I pray that you'll help us to counter the idea that people have out in the world that Christians are somehow or another condemning and sour and, and hateful and judgmental and all those kinds of things and help them see that we delight in sharing good news with the people around us. And it's because we love them, because you love them, and because you want them to be able to experience worship and fellowship, stewardship and discipleship, and then for them to become evangelists as well. And I pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake.